Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Thank you so much for joining me today for the latest episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. Last week, I talked to Olympian Carrie Tollefson, and she shared her story with us about how her world crumbling down led to the greatest opportunity and how she was able to embrace it. Well, today we have another elite runner on the show, but with a completely different story. Yet he keeps mentioning the same thing, embrace it. And I think there's going to be a lot of lessons that we all can learn from this episode. Chicago Marathon is just days away, if you are downloading this on Wednesday. And it makes me think back to my experience last year. Although it was not a good race for me, it's impossible not to get sucked in by the excitement of it. We are truly into marathon season and there is inspiration everywhere. But speaking of inspiration, if you do need an extra kick to get going and stop like feeling sorry for yourself, I know I've been doing that a little bit recently, this is just what you need. My guest today is so brave, so strong and so honest with his thoughts that I don't think anyone will be able to walk away from this interview without feeling determined. This is truly a story about coming from nothing and making it into something. My guest did not have the kind of upbringing most professional runners do, but it made him even more determined to fight. He talks about how fear is all around us and how it can become consuming. Do you ever feel like that? I know I do. But when you stand on that start line, you need to puff up your chest, rise to the challenge and fight. But there's a difference. Fight for you. And you only, not for anyone else, not for your sponsors, but just for you, for your pride. This is the most emotional interview I've ever done, and I had to choke back tears a few times. I know you're going to join me in getting behind my guest today when he races this Sunday, and I wish everyone else racing this fall the best of luck too. So my guest today is Fernando Cavada. He is personal best of 13.34 in the 5k, 28.25 in the 10k, 102.00 in the half, and 2.11.36 in the full marathon. He won his first national championship while still in college, which was the Grand Rapids 25K in 2006. He broke the American record that day, so that was 1.14.26. He ran his debut marathon of 2.12.27, which is pretty damn impressive for a debut, and he finished seventh in the Olympic trials in 2012. He's coaching now, and you will hear a bit more about this in the interview for Kabada Training Systems. He's sponsored by Newton and is actually working with Brad Hudson for his training. Today, Fernando and I are going to talk about his story and how it made him even more determined to do something special with his life. How you can turn a race around, even if you spend the whole first half of the race doubting and feeling sorry for yourself. And one incredibly inspiring story about his win at the Twin Cities Marathon that could bring you to tears. You are not going to want to miss this. Are you ready to meet Fernando? Let's do it. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Fernando. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing this interview with me. I know I'm, I'm happy to have you. And uh, this is a great time to do it. This is uh, when this gets released. It's going to be the week of the Chicago Marathon. So it's going to be perfect timing as uh, everyone can kind of tune in and support you this coming weekend. So let's uh, just kind of start from the beginning, um, as you do not have the typical American professional uh, kind of upbringing. So could you share with our listeners about your story and how you got into running? 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I've shared this story hundreds of times. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, now it's kind of like, it feels like it's like a little fairy tale story. Like it's like kind of like almost make believe and it's kind of crazy. It's kind of surreal, but um, so I'll try to explain it is in, in a short manner and uh, try not to be too dramatic because now mm-hmm. that I'm 33 years old, I've learned how to just explain things a little bit better. <laughs> um, but uh, I grew up in Fresno, California, and that's in the in Central Valley. It's between San Francisco and LA, population of about 500,000 people. Um, yeah, and you're right. I, I, it wasn't a typical um, upbringing. Every, well, no, actually, it, it's typical in a lot of different ways, especially in Hispanic communities, actually. I wasn't really no different than a lot of first, second generation Hispanics um, in the Southwest United States growing up. Uh, my father was his first generation, um, you know, here in the United States. His family's from Mexico. And uh, at a very young age, he got involved in, in the drugs. He started using heroin at the age of 14. And, uh, you know, he, he had an eighth grade education. You know, he didn't really, you know, grow up normal at all and uh, ended up, you know, going in and out of prison, actually starting at the age of 17, believe it or not. And um, and that's a little bit of background on him. And, and I won't go too much in depth, but I like people to know kind of how I started out and what kind of cards were dealt to me um, just starting out my life. And uh, as far as my mother, she's um, second generation here. Both my families, both are on each side are both all from Mexico. And so I'm third generation on her side um, here, and and I don't know Spanish either. Um, and so my uh, my mother, you know, same thing. Uh, grew up working on the fields. She had a ninth grade education, and so when they got together, uh, actually they wrote letters for five years. When my dad went to prison uh, at 17, she started writing my mom. They're both in the same little town, um, a rural little town outside of Fresno, about 30, 40 miles away. Um, and so they kind of just fell in love in those letters. Right. And I kind of wonder what my dad put in those letters. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when he, yeah. When, so when he gets out of jail back in, uh, 1981 or so, um, I come out nine months later, um, and I'm a Fernando Cabada junior, I'm named after my father. And, uh, and so that, that's how everything started. And, and ever since then, my dad was always in and out of prison all my life doing maybe one year, three year stints. And, uh, and so, I grew up in the east side of Fresno, which is um, mostly Hispanics. And, and also at the at the time, um, a lot of Hmong population, you know, after the Vietnam War and everything, um, more population of, of people of Laos, of the foothills would come into Fresno. Uh, I think like 50,000 of them. So I grew up a lot of uh, with a lot of uh, Laos and Hmong and uh, Hispanics in my neighborhood and uh, went to Fresno schools. So Fresno schools didn't really have the physical education for, for younger kids. So we didn't have running or we didn't really run in PE or we didn't really have PE in my elementary school. So when I was nine years old, my mom wanted a better life for me. And we got in this housing program called section eight. And uh, what that was, was it would go off your income and you, and so we were able to afford a, a better house in a better area. So we moved actually to Clovis, California, which is a suburb of Fresno, about 80, thousand uh people at the time i mean borders fresno and so that's the place where uh mainly all the uh, the caucasians the white people would live there's really no minorities that live there maybe 10 percent at the time i'm not sure um so in 1991 uh moved to Fre- uh, clovis and that's where i started running i think i was in third grade and you know would go to pe and would run a half mile and when the first time i ever ran a half mile i was like second in my class and uh 
I remember, I mean, that was like a, the, the best feeling in the world. I, I was actually, um, I did something cool, you know? Everyone's like, oh, who's this new kid? You know, he got he got second. And I didn't even know what I was doing. And uh, and everyone was like, oh, you should go off for cross country. And cross country starts off getting offered to us at, at fourth grade. And so wow. I was like, yeah, okay. So I started running then um, more. And, you know, I'd get second, third. You know, I was never number one. And so, you know what? Like growing up, you know, I was tormented a lot by my father. You know, I, I didn't really grow up with a lot of love um, my childhood, I remember it just being scared a lot, being nervous, being degraded, neglected in many ways. You know, I didn't have a father, uh, saying, Hey son, I'm proud of you. Hey son, you could do this. I didn't, you know, have any of that. But when I would ran, um, it, it made me feel like a somebody. And all I wanted was, uh, just to be number one in my school. Just want to be significant. That's all I ever wanted. That was my goal. And, uh, I never, um, Took me a long time uh, to get to that, <laughs> to be number one in my school. Actually, you know, I started running when I was 10 years old. I have ran for a whole six years. <laughs> I was never number one in my school, on my team, nothing. And then finally, as a junior in high school, I was 16 years old. I went to Buchanan High School. And uh, from one summer to the next, I went from being just normal runner to being number one in my class, number one on my team, number one in my school, you know, number one in my conference, number one in my area, one of the best runners in the state and top 10 in the nation. I was 8.59 as a junior and in um, a two mile, 3,200 meters, right below two miles. And uh, I was the first person in my area, the Central Valley, to ever break nine minutes. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, college starts coming in. I never thought of college. I my parents never even went to college. I didn't have anyone to really teach me the ropes, how to do things, how to talk to colleges. You know, I didn't have any guidance. I didn't really have any heroes or anything like that uh, growing up. And the people I did look up to necessarily wasn't the best influence. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of how I'll kind of stop there. I'm just kind of mumbling now. No, um, you're not. No, it's absolutely inspiring. And yeah. I'm sure everyone listening right now is so incredibly inspired. And that's so brave of you to share. And even even just talking about it in general, I mean, it shows a lot about you. And, you know, you're tugging at my heartstrings. And I'm sure everyone is the same. Like, so you can <laughs> definitely take it for granted of, you know, how easy it can be sometimes. So it is good for us to hear that, you know, people have different upbringings and, you know, right. kind of just puts things in perspective. And um, there's so many directions I could go with this right now. Um, right. And uh, but one thing, you know, that really like stuck out to me was your perseverance. And we always hear about running and how, you know, um, people, when we first start running, we think that it's always going to be kind of a quick fix and um you think it's going to come to you and you always wonder well why is it not happening to me and it looks like everyone around you is just kind of doing well and you're not but you kind of showed that for six years like you said you all you wanted was to be the number one in your school and it took you six years and then suddenly it like took off for you and so that's just that's fantastic to hear that that perseverance and that dedication all that time right. paid off for you and that was as a kid you know so it's, yeah. it's continued to pay off for you now. But just uh, out of curiosity, what what is it about running? Was it allowed you to be free or you love like the feeling of like the well, endorphins or what is it about running that you love? Like I said, um, when I said it earlier, like growing up, I, I, I was never significant in anything. Um, when I was growing up, people in my neighborhood or my older, you know, I have a lot of cousins. I, I have about 35 first cousins on one side of my family on my mom's side or even a little more. Uh, my mom had uh, nine sisters and she had two brothers and everybody had a lot of kids. <laughs> um, and, and so we all kind of grew up the same way, right? We had the same cries. Um, and a lot of my, some of my cousins, um, 
kind of followed in the footsteps of of, of the stereotypical of a Hispanic first first second generation males in the Southwest United States, which got involved in gang activity. Um, some were and are uh, validated hardcore gang members, and some were just kind of flirting with it, just more by association. And so I was always the 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 kid, the cousin, where no one took serious. Everybody kind of made fun of. You know, I wasn't tough. I try to act like I was, but, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, I was always soft-hearted, never get taken serious. And, and then when it came to sports again, never, uh, couldn't catch a ball. I didn't really have a father to teach me how to catch a ball or, or anything like that. And, um, so I really wasn't good at anything and running was something that I was good at. And I held on that for dear life. And, um, growing up, I was afraid of everything. And I, and I goes back to just how my father treated me and, just how I was, um, never significant, never good. And so running is the only thing that, that, that was close to make me feel like a somebody. And, um, you know, going through all life, I'm, I've been scared of everything scared, you know, even if I don't show it, I'm scared. But uh, whenever I get on that line, you know, um, it's like everything changes. I feel for the first time, even now, when I get on it, like even nowadays, I'm 33 years old, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm putting myself down. Um, but when I get on that line, I feel like Superman, you know, I feel like I'm not afraid of nothing. I mean, I look people in the eye when it comes to running and my passion, I, I just feel like invincible. And, um, that has carried on now, you know, through my life. And, and I'm really confident in, in many ways, but still it's nothing compared to getting on that line and just feeling powerful and feeling like a somebody. And now I'm in a position where, where I can inspire people and people that grew up just like me. And I feel like an obligation, like especially the, the Hispanic community here that one of their own have made it. And, and I understand, you know, their frustration. I understand what they're going through, their concerns. And I just want, you know, and that was one of the reasons why I came back to the, the central Valley and, and for, and we could get to that later, but I was gone for, since I, I graduated high school. Um, but, uh, it was important for me to come back to my community and, and to just, um, lead by example and, uh, and say, Hey, you know what, you know, one of your own is, uh, doing big things. He grew up like this, but, um, you know, now I'm, you know, traveling the world, doing, doing really good in my running and, and, uh, having fun, you know, and just being positive. And, um, like you said, I could have went a lot of different ways, but, uh, to get back to the point of this, this, this question you put is, yeah, I just felt really, really strong or like a Superman. And that's why I've always kept at it. You know, something I was good at and, uh, I just kind of held on to it. And, it, you know, just like anything, you do things, you don't know why you do it. You just do it. But now that I'm older, um, I've realized why, and I've embraced it even more now. And it's carried on over to, to coaching people. And, uh, you know, it's really not even because I know about running. Uh, I'm not even really good at – no, I am good at giving workouts. Everybody knows workouts. But what I'm better at and what I'm best at is is making people believe in themselves. Like whatever barrier they have, whatever ceiling, like whatever it is, I, I know how to, to connect with you. I know how to make you believe. And um, that's when I'm most effective is, is with talking to people and connecting with them. And I understand, you know. People have lived a lot of different states in the United States, and I've traveled a lot over the world, and I've, I've seen so many different cultures and personalities. And um, you know, I I, uh, I don't got that cloud over my head growing up like as I did. Um, so it's cool. No, so, that's yeah. that's amazing. And and you you know you say about the uh, emotional side and the knowing how to make people believe in themselves. I mean, that's essentially the biggest part. Like you said, when it comes down to it, um, you know, we get so into what workout works and what the best workout is but at the end of the day 
that part doesn't matter too much as long as you're getting the heart in as long as you're getting the recovery in but it's the it's the support and the believing in yourself that is what really makes the difference. So that's fantastic that you are able to do that. And I will put a link to your sh- uh, in the show notes to your um, training systems website, um, which you. you can talk a little more about. Um, but it can be at, found at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC75. So um, we'll talk about that just a bit more in a minute. But what would your advice be to someone listening right now who you know, it's finding that, you know, they have like maybe a tough home life or something's going wrong at home and, uh, you know, or they're struggling at work, but they have running as that outlet and they, you know, what would your advice be to someone who wants to use running as that, that way, like you said, to be someone or to kind of change their life for the positive? That's a tough question, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I don't really know how to lie. You know, I don't really know how to like tell people what they want to hear. I just go off my emotions, right? And so I don't really have a good good way to put this. Uh, I guess it's just to embrace it, right? And, uh, you know, as runners, like, we all go through it. I think a lot of people, um, especially, you know, I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but I lived in Boulder, Colorado for seven years. And, um, you know, I loved it. My mom and uh, my family, uh, my immediate family moved there. And um, But uh, I, I felt that it wasn't necessarily my reality. And uh, maybe because I was used to always the grind or, like, you know, real problems, which are, and, and that's kind of unfair because some people's real lives and real problems don't really struggle. They don't need a struggle. I mean, I wouldn't want my future kids to, to struggle and, and having to deal with bad experiences or anything like that. Or, you know, I won't want my kids to, to necessarily just work minimum wage jobs and, and struggle or, you know, worry about the bill collectors calling or just, you know, worry, like have broken marriages and go through divorce and all that stuff. And um, I felt like, Boulder, Colorado, everybody was happy and they were so happy and so much free time that all they wanted to do was kind of gossip about other people. And I was just kind of like, I was just growing up where we're all kind of like minding our own business and just going through it. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm used to kind of like the struggle and whether or not, like, I don't really struggle now, even though I would love to, to say I do like, Oh, you know, I got to run and I, you know, slow feet don't eat, you know, I need to run to put food on the table. You know, I think <laughs> I kind of like, you know, pump myself up like that just to kind of keep me going. <laughs> it's like I got to do whatever it takes to keep me motivated um, to, to, to continue to do well in my running and to survive and live the lifestyle that I, you know, I want to live. Um, but as runners, I mean, I think the majority of the world, you know, they kind of struggle in many ways, uh, whether it's financially, um, just mentally. You know, a lot of people might have my problem um, growing up and not necessarily had that love or support. Or someone says, hey, son, I'm, I'm proud of you. Hey, you could do anything in this world if you put your mind to it. I didn't learn all that till I was uh, older. And and kids are very impressionable when they're, when they're young and they need that in the development just to hear those kind words and, and and stuff like that. And I guess that's why I can't wait to be a father. You know, I can't wait to to, to raise kids and stuff like that and mm-hmm. have a team, you know. Team and that's great. You re- <laughs> yeah, it's great you recognize that as well. But do you think your um, those struggles – well, obviously they must have. Those struggles in your upbringing made you tougher. Like they gave you, like you said about having no fear on the start line. Do you think a lot of that was because, you know, it meant so much more to you because of all the struggles you've been through? Yes and no. I mean, I, I initially didn't think like that. And I don't think really think of that necessarily now. I think what, what gives me more motivation is the people that I inspire. Uh, you know, I, I'm just some normal guy that just runs, right? And then all of a sudden, all these followers from around the world, you know, are kind of following me and saying, man, I look up to you. And I'm kind of thinking, well, you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, 
I've realized that my my growing up necessary overall isn't normal. Like when I grew up, I didn't think anything of it, you know, um, being poor or whatever, or, you know, the cops coming over to your house every weekend. You know, I didn't know, you know, parents arguing all the time or your dad, you know, and my dad, you know, being me and my mom and doing terrible things. I didn't, I, that was just how I, that was just normal. Right. But, um, <clears throat> but now that I've seen that, uh, and where I'm at, and it's also, it's not necessarily normal just to be, you know, traveling and going to different countries and racing and being an elite, an invited elite athlete, you know, and that's pretty cool too. So, um, were there any points where you kind of struggled with, uh, that change? Like when you were getting it started getting invited to these, like you said, the races and going all over the world that you kind of were a bit overwhelmed by it all. Oh man, I'm still overwhelmed. I mean, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to react. I don't even really know how to travel properly, you know, um, <laughs> I don't really know what to see. I'm just so overwhelmed. I wasn't necessarily used to happiness all the time in my life growing up. So it's really hard for me to accept it, to make myself believe like, hey, Fernando, you actually deserve this. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's been my biggest struggle with, with my whole life is just accepting it and not self-sabotaging myself and my success. And that's, you know, I don't even like to admit that, but that's the truth, you know, that that's that's real. My, my, my biggest obstacle isn't like life. It's my own self. Mm-hmm. That in getting myself my inner my inner demons to work with me to say hey you know what let's line up and let's align let's be in alliance and let's not screw Fernando over you know what I mean Let, let's 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 go and do great things don't be afraid you know um embrace it and you know the past couple of years I've, I've done a huge improvement in just to embrace it and um to, to believe that hey man it, you you deserve it. it's okay to be happy smile don't be on guard all the time don't you know I think a lot of people kind of fall into that trap of not allowing themselves to be happy and constantly looking the comparison right. trap, especially like looking at what others are doing, especially with the social media world where you see, you know, right. you see all the good stuff. But it's, you know, good to know for everyone listening that, you know, someone who's run as fast as you have has still has these struggles. And what oh, is it yeah. that you tell yourself? Like, okay, you know, everyone knows that during a run, during a marathon, especially like when you're running that 211, there's parts of it that are not not only not enjoyable, but miserable. Like, what do you tell yourself um, when that voice is telling you to slow down, to stop? Like, what is yeah. your, like, what do you have yes. a mantra or things you say to yourself? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I'll get to that. I'll tell you a quick little story too about, you know, my fastest marathon sure. was uh, last year in, in Berlin, uh, ran 211.36. And the first half, I was negative. Every freaking step, the first half marathon of that marathon, I was just negative. Like what kind of thing were you saying to yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I passed the 8K mark, five mile mark, and I was right under 25 minutes. And I was thinking, man, I'm not going to be able to do this 21 miles. How am I going to be able to run five minute pace for 21 miles? And I was just talking about, oh, man, I think my right soleus is hurting. I I think this is hurting. And I was just looking at every single possible thing that was negative. Right. And so it wasn't until halfway and, and, and it was a mix of emotions, like just feeling sorry for myself, just desperately trying to find a reason to get out of this situation, right? It was an uncomfortable situation, a lot of pressure. And it wasn't until halfway I heard my name and then I was in Berlin, Germany. It was my friend that I went to college with. And um, he says, come on, Fernando, you, you could do it. And and I started thinking, wait a minute, like people actually know me here. Oh, wait a minute. And I kind of snapped out of it. And I was like, hey, well, wait a minute. Uh, there's probably people that actually following me online or something or live feed somewhere. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I should do this for them. And, and then I kind of transition over to when it gets more into the fight, that's when I rise. In the beginning, I'm just like 
on the defense. I, I don't really, I'm not an attacker. I'm just kind of like, like, oh, don't hurt me. Don't, don't do this. And it's only when I get really into it where I'm backed into a corner where I just rise even more. And, and I just start thinking of all the hardships, all the struggles, you know, certain parts of my life when, um, when we struggled. I remember, you know, when I had to take care of my family in 2008, my mom had got evicted from her place and she came to Colorado. And, um, and, and she, I was living with the roommate at the time, two bedroom. And so I had to, you know, I was going to have my mom and my little brother come from California to Colorado. And, you know, I wasn't making much money. I mean, I, I was always right on the poverty line as a runner, but, you know, a single guy, you know, didn't have no kids or anything. I was able to, you know, afford just whatever I wanted just to make me happy. So all of a sudden my mom and my brother's coming. So I ended up getting a three bedroom place in um, Colorado. And I mean, rent's like 1400 bucks and I had a truck payment and I had to get food and, you know, my mom had to try to find a job and she actually, uh, was trying to look for something decent and um it took her a little while to get something but in the meantime we're running out of money and um, we didn't even have furniture really i mean i uh had a, a mattress and my mom slept on it i slept on an air mattress my brother was on the ground no furniture and i remember i had to get a a couple advances from my agent just to get some food and um, i was getting ready for the twin cities marathon it was the 2008 national championships and you know what? I was going through a slump. I haven't ran good since 2006 when I ran my debut of 212-27. I was 24 years old when I ran it. And so that was kind of like, it was good and bad because it felt so easy. I kind of stopped getting hungry, right? So I got in a slump for two years, didn't run that one good race, wasn't making any money, trying to survive off the little salary that I made. I was running for Reebok, um, Reebok at the time, and I had to wait for my quarterly checks to come. And uh, I just didn't make enough money. And all of a sudden I came to this big race and, you know, first place prize was like 25 grand. I think second place was $15,000. And then I got, I would get a bonuses from Reebok as well. If I got first, second or third. So I started adding up the money. I says, well, you know what, if I could win or I get top three in this race, I would secure a spot on the national team for the 2009 world championships in Berlin. And I'd make money and I'd change my situation for my family. So, you know what? I went to that race and I remember I was pouring down rain and I was like, okay, well, if I could get top three, that'd be good. That'll hold us over. At mile 20, I started thinking of my mom, my brother, um, struggling, right? Kind of crying. Like my mom just sad, my brother just struggling. And you know what? That broke my heart. And, um, I told him that I'm going to win this race and, uh, I'm going to change it for us. And, uh, and I did, and I beat everybody and I won by a minute and, I was hurting, but you know what? I, I just said, I'll do anything for my family and I just want to be a man. And um, just stuff like that. I wish like I, my father did good in life and I uh, we don't have to go through that. But I knew I needed to step up. I didn't even know I'd be a man myself, but I knew that they needed me and, uh, and I did it. I hope and, you realize how incredibly inspiring you are right now. You are like to share something like that. The bravery that requires is... I can't even put it into words. I mean, we often talk about being brave, for you know, sharing that we had a tough run or, you know, we're having a bad day. But, like, to share something like that with us is is just so brave of you and that's so courageous. And, you know, I, the amount of people you're probably inspiring right now, I mean, even makes us think about, you know, when we think things are going bad, you know, we complain about, you know, having a blister on our foot or something and just to see the struggle you went through there and just to think about how you did that you know you you did it for them you thought of them and you know people listening can think about you know you you think 
a lot of the time in running we end up feeling sorry for ourselves well you know yeah. use that to motivate you you did that and you like you said you didn't just do it you won by a minute and that is absolutely incredible and what an inspiring story and you you know you should be so proud of that and I'm sure there's so many people listening right now who are absolutely you know sitting leaning over like as if they could you know reach out and hug you right now because that's just so amazing to hear and thank you so much for sharing that with us I that's absolutely fascinating and you know it just shows so much bravery so thank you for sharing that and I'm so glad to hear you in that and I can see why that would you know give you fuel to the fire and like you said when it when it matters and when you come up to that point you do rise up which shows a lot about your personality and shows how strong you are which is cool and you know and I think it's also good for people to hear that you know even that first like you said the first half of races you often you know have those doubts have your the same thing yourself but you can turn it around it's not it's not too late and anyone you know if you've tried running and you're you know you've tried it and you aren't that good at it or you still are struggling that doesn't mean it's the end you like you said at mile 20 that was when it really turned around for you so yeah I mean I'm not so consistent all the time but um you know I think as a late runner a lot of people feel that everything goes right for us yeah you know, I've been embarrassed so many races where I've gotten beat, gotten 25th place, and, you know, I've won national, some, a few national championships. Um, but you know what? And really, I'm an emotional person, emotional runner. It's like I need to be back in a corner. I need to want it. I need it. For something just to go out, to go get a payday, I mean, I'm just going to do my job, right? But it's like I, it's gonna I pick races. It's going to mean something to you. Right. But, like, I, I'm not always – I don't always get first or second or third. I, I've – been a normal person everyone's beating me on the circuit right but um but when it comes to like when it comes down to it i'm no one could could count me out when it's time for the big show when it's time when it's all on the line and i hate that i have to make it such a dramatic thing right why can't i just be good all the time right every time out (laughs) uh but i'm trying to be more consistent right um but it's just you keep going at it like a lot of people are so hard on themselves you know going back to 2006 i was the american record holding the 25k ran 114.21 debuted in 2000 and 212 27 that was when i was 24 years old first year as a pro and ever since then i mean it seems like if i didn't get a pr or break a record it was like a failure and and i did that for so long i was so hard on myself but you know what now it's like you know what those are good performances leave it at that they're not going to happen all the time, and I'm fine with it. And you know what? I'll patiently wait for the time I do get a good day like that, and I'm hoping that it's going to be something like Chicago or the Olympic trials in February. Okay. And you know what? I'm not <laughs> I'm not bashful. I know how to win. I know how to take advantage of the situation, so I'm just going to patiently wait till then. And I think, you know, what I the advice I give to everyone else is don't be so hard on yourself from race to race. I mean, they're just different, different situations. It might be the weather or the course might not be feeling it, you know, it's not, you can't expect it. And I think everyone is so into times and with that Garmin and, mm-hmm. you know, running races just off times, people forget just to race and just to enjoy it. And just to beat people ahead of you. I, I don't know. I'm old, I'm old school. I didn't know anything about times or anything. I just wanted to be number one and whatever no, that think, was. I think that's a great lesson. I mean, a lot of people listening are going to say, yeah, well, I'm never going to win, win a race, but and it's not mm-hmm. so much. That's not what he's saying. It's more that, like you said, mentioned about the Garmin obsession and, you know, people saying, 
oh, I have to run this. And I'm, we've all been sucked into that before where you say to yourself, you know, oh, what pace have I got to run the first three miles? And then what pace have I got to run from mile six to nine or whatever? Like it's it's listening to your body. And like you said, it's racing. Like the first, right. you need to you need to just be with who's around you and kind of, uh, you know, right. find your own limits. But just focus on you rather than what other people right. are doing. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's all race within a race. I mean, 90... 5% chances I'm not going to win Chicago, but I could still win like my race. And that's what I've always done. And, you know, growing up, especially in America, everything's about competition, about mm-hmm. who's better than who. But you know what? And I always thought I was trying to prove people wrong or I was against some person. You know what? When it all comes down to it, I'm not against anybody but myself. I'm trying to just do what, do the best I can do and meet my own expectations. The reason why I can't give up yet is because after all the, the accomplishments I've done, I know I'm capable of better. And the fact that I know that, I, I'm not okay with just walking away right now. There's no way I'm a lot better. So I'm still just, I'm at it with myself, you know, um, and I don't really go and focus on anybody else anymore. I just focus on, on me and my training. And, you know, all I do is just, like you said, like focus on you and um, just trying to just be better. Yeah, well, and I think your whole, like, from age nine, your whole story has been the perseverance thing. Like you said, you know, the first six years, you you just wanted to be first in your class, right. and you did that. And right. then you said you became a pro, and you had a great race, but then you had nothing. But then you had that Twin Cities race. So it's all about right. perseverance, that things are going to go wrong, and not every race is going to go your way. But if you persevere, like you yeah. are right now, it's going to come out, and you never know where it's going to be. And often it's right. when, when you don't expect it, but... It does happen. Yeah, like the, the past couple of years, you know, my life has been easy selling. I mean, I don't have no problems, no injuries. You know, I'm not poor like I once was. I'm, I'm known. Um, and it's like, it's kind of weird because I've never really had that in my life. I've always kind of had some type of struggle. And and now it's like, okay, well, what, what am I going to motivate me now? And, and I've felt a lot of things, you know, found a lot of things to motivate me coming back to the central valley seeing like my old stomping ground seeing you know kids in my own same position i was stuff like that and, and coaching and stuff like that and given my knowledge and you know really i never even thought of myself as a coach or to know how to do that right but <laughs> i've been doing this for 20 something years of course i'm going to know something it's just me being humble and not giving myself the credit you know mm-hmm. not believing mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I've found many different avenues to, to keep motivate me. And, I, you know, I want to lead by example still. And my job is far from over. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, been, it's fun. It's all good now. Now yeah. it's, it's, this is the fun stuff. Now it's time to, to what, how do you, what do you, what's that saying? Reap the, from your Reap reward or something? Rewards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. No, it, it is good. And, um, you know, you said that you've been healthy recently, but I think I read that you did have a time where you were struggling with injuries um, but right. you love running so much. Like, did you cross train well, or were you kind of person that struggles with cross training? Or what? What did you do when it came I'm, to injuries? I'm a lazy runner. You know, I just uh, <laughs> when I'm injured, I kind of just uh, kick back and just feel sorry for myself and just every day just hope that the injury goes away. <laughs> but if I ever got injured, I will cross train. Um, Which one would you do if you were going to cross train? I would focus on swimming okay. and. Uh, stuff like elliptical spinning stuff that could really get you in still in good condition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like, uh, you know, your core, you know, just strength, just normal strength and conditioning. Um, just try to find something else to enjoy your life. I think it's not worth being sad over running. 
doesn't even I mean it's just running you know that's um, good to hear you say that as an elite i think a lot of us get to um oh yeah i mean especially when normal people get hurt right normal people meaning people who don't aren't professional athletes when my friends get injured i says well you know what good thing you don't have to pay your rent off your your race mm-hmm. if you, you know you're not trying to run for money you know like imagine i was saying well imagine if if you had to eat and pay your rent off your race winnings solely how would you feel if you got injured? They're like, wow, I don't know what I'll do. I'll say, okay, well, just be glad you're not in that position. Mm-hmm. Puts in perspective. It's like, come on, you know, just take some time off. What do you got to lose? You know, um, it was different for me. I mean, whenever I got injured, I mean, it, you know, just it's stressful. And, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I don't got to worry about that now. I mean. You've managed to I'm, stay healthy. Is there anything you've added or changed that is, uh, you know, paid for that? Is it you know, yeah. more easy runs or what have you say that's allowed you to stay injury-free? You know, I'm kind of embarrassed saying this, but um, it was like found out that I needed stability shoes. I always overpronated and I didn't really ever, never really had a coach or anyone to tell me that or to say, hey, you should wear some stability shoes. Everybody all talk about this barefoot stuff. You got to <laughs> do all that. You know, I exhausted like the bands and like every morning I'd get up put my uh, foot in hot water and uh, cause I have posterior tip problems. Um, you know, I'll do these band exercises. I'd be warming up for like, a, like 45 minutes and then head out the door and just be in pain. And, you know, I try like, you know, like minimal shoes, trying to strengthen my foot, man. <laughs> All I did was put on simple stability shoes within weeks. I would, the pain would start to go away. And ever since then I've never hobbled out of bed I don't need to do these warm-ups or I don't need to do these little foot exercises. I just put on my shoes and I just go about my day, go on my run, and I never have pain. And 33 years old, I've been running since 1991. You know, I, I train really hard, never had any problems. And oh, um, great. so, it, it, and you know what? I know everybody's different. I don't know everybody's um, situation, but I just think, you know, people who are getting involved in running start getting at a older age, for example, 35, 40 years old, and they start out running half marathons because that's the thing to do or a marathon. And then they want to go and run three or four days a week because they have to work, you know, that family. I understand, you know, they don't, you burn the candle at both ends, but they're just getting into something that's going to ruin them. You know, like I started out running the fencing back, you know? And so by the time I actually ran my first half marathon, I was 24 years old and I've developed the right, you know, running fast mile, 5k, 10k, and everybody wants to skip the steps on the ladder and just wants to hop up top. Well, you could, you could hop on top and try to keep your balance for five seconds, but you're going to come down. And so it's just a matter of time that you're going to come down. And then all of a sudden they want to go and buy all these different shoes, go see these uh, physical therapists, spend all their money. That's why they should just get a good coach from the get go. Someone so you're like saying me. it, yeah, someone like you, which again, I'll be a link to in the show <laughs> Nice little, uh, little pitch there. Um, but, but also you were saying that, you know, it's important to begin with, you know, maybe a 5k, a few 5k, 10ks rather than jumping in, you know, at the deep end. And like you said, going, it's, I think it's hard because people feel like they want to do something that's going to hold them accountable. And the 5k is just a bit too, like, I guess easy, even it's not easy and we both know that, but like, you know, it's, it's more that anyone can do a 5k. I think people think, but you don't have to just do it. You could do it, you know, get to your, the point where your speed is, you know, where right. you're proud of your pace and your time and then move up rather than just, right. I'm going to do one 5k, then one 10k and then a half and then a full. Right. Yeah. Like the, the people that I coach, I mean, they're not, I mean, 
normal people with jobs, you know, living all in all corners of the United States. But a lot of people who come could only run 40 miles a week or 50 miles a week and they can't necessarily run every day. And, and, and that's fine. I know how to work with that. But the problem is, is I would never just focus on the marathon. Like if someone just wants to run marathons, I'll try to convince them not to, especially if I don't think they're ready. I'm working with someone in California and, um, he, he, uh, he wants, he wanted to run marathons and I'm thinking, man, I think we should just focus on the five K's, 10 K's and try to get used to the half marathon first. And he's perfectly capable of running a marathon, but I, I care about the development. I care about not getting him injured. I'm, and you know what? I don't want him to think 245 is fast for him it, with his caliber. If he just would just hold off for a year and just work on everything else. How about the first one you go and you run 235 instead mm -hmm. of starting out at 252 and then, you know, just get stuck in that marathon, that slow running. And he's having respect for six something pace when he could be, you know, under that. And, um, and it's working and, and everyone else that I'm working with that, I, I try to just focus on getting them quick in the mile, the 5k, the 10k. Sometimes people can't train for a marathon and follow the rule book. I mean, everybody, you know, wants to read about running and they want to, you know, train like elites, but they can't, like, they don't have the time. They don't sleep enough. So therefore they're going to have to, you know, tailor it to their life schedule and, and not try to be at competition with anybody else when it comes to training. And so it's, it's very important, I think, just to focus and getting quick, quicker. I mean, imagine getting quicker for the 5k, which is going to make your 10k, mm -hmm. you know, easier, your half marathon easier and your marathon essentially is going to be easier. Cadence is everything. It's just going to be more efficient. It's quicker. I mean, you could get so much more faster. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why people don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they will after listening to this. Um, and then, so let's just talk about uh, you and, you know, your what's coming up for you uh, just for a few minutes. Um, so you have Chicago coming up on the 11th. Correct. And um, what is your like plan for that? Do you do you just plan on, you know, running with the front group or what do you have? Do you have a, have you thought about what you're going to do yet? Or I mean, my last marathon was Boston and that didn't go well, uh, real quick. I just was bad tactics and, um, I was too calculated. It was headwinds and, you know, I, I, uh, the elite pack of about 20 people took off, you know, probably 440 for the first mile. And I was kind of laughing at them in my head saying, man, these guys are, what are these guys doing? You know, they're going to come back to me. And I was all happy. Right. But the problem was, was, um, they, uh, there, it was a nice big train and everybody rolled through the first half and they're just minutes ahead of me. And guess what? I was all alone to fight the wind by myself, mm -hmm. no one to pace off of. And I ended up tiring myself out and I uh, had a bad day and it's something that, uh, live with for a while. So going into Chicago, I'm not trying to get fancy. Um, I'm, I'm there to run a race and not be calculated, not say, Oh, uh, they're going out too fast. Uh, I better, you know, just hit, hit this pace where well, obviously I'm not going to go out in four thirties. But I'm, I'm there to race people and, and not worry about time. I would like to run under 211.36. That is my goal. But first and foremost is to run a good race. Um, don't don't put myself out of it in the beginning. Have a chance. Um, believe. Um, I mean, I want to secure being first American. Um, that's pretty big here in America. You know, just be a first American. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's going to probably take at least a 212, 213. But um, I want to give myself a chance as well. And I think you know, I'm not going to be so aggressive the first half, but the second half, you know, I think I kind of want to put myself out there. Uh, we just got to see how the race goes, but I've, I've trained really well and I've learned a lot from Boston and all my other past experiences. And, um, you know, I'm a good rhythm runner on, on flat courses and I'm, I'm really excited about Chicago and mm -hmm. training has been you know, going better than ever. So yeah, I think it's just, um, I, I could see myself breaking 211, but I don't want to put 
you know, all the emphasis on that. I think even if I ran 212.45, maybe I go out in 106.45 and come back in a 106, you know, negative split, first American, maybe seventh overall, call it a day. I think that's a good step, yeah. especially going and heading into the trials. And I'll be very happy with that. So my, uh, to be happy is very flexible. So I have a lot of different ways to be happy about Chicago. So I, I feel pretty confident and I think my head's in the, in the right place going into this race. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like you've got, you know, the right kind of perspective. Um, and then the Olympic trials, is it the same kind of thing? You just want to be out there and race, you know, <sighs> yeah, see what you can that, do? You know, we're going to, it's going to be a little bit of luck. I mean, I, I know <laughs> I say that because you're just going to have, have a good day. I mean, these guys are so good, but in a way I, I like, the cards I'm holding, I think I'm good enough talent wise as well. And I work just as hard and uh, I'm not going to worry about anybody and I'm just going to race and I'm, it's going to be a little bit of risk. I cannot allow anybody to get too far ahead of me. If five of us go out too fast, I have to go with them and I can't hope that anyone's going to come back to me. I'm not going to put myself in position and I, I have to go with them. And so, um, I think they might go a little quick, maybe a two or nine pace, maybe a little quicker, but I'll go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just racing. And you know what? If I don't get top three and I can only get eighth, well, I'm going to kill myself trying to secure yeah. eighth place, you know? I'm just gonna do the, yeah, just do the best I can, you know, and just uh, just be happy and just embrace it and just just, just go and race. That's all you can ask of yourself. And just uh, one more thing I, I meant to ask a few minutes ago. When you were talking about the um, shoes, you are sponsored by Newton. Um, what Which which Newton shoe is it that you wear most of the time or...? Um, uh, the motion, the okay. motion four right now I'm currently wearing. Okay. Um, so the motion is like, just like the gravity, but it's a uh, stability. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll put a link uh, to that in the show notes for everyone. Um, okay. and Newton shoe. Um, okay. So just, uh, one more thing I wanted to kind of, um, ask about, which, uh, if you, do you have any advice for listeners who have, you know, a big goal that, um, may just seem kind of out of reach right now, like how they, how they wouldn't how not to give up and how to keep persevering as you are so good at this perseverance and, you know, uh, making it through when, you know, you're not sure of how things are going to turn out. Well, I think if people are going to want to like have these big goals, I think they got to be willing to take the hits and, and everybody wants to be a champion every day. Everybody wants to just have good workouts and everything go right. I think that if that's all you want, you're not willing to take the bad days and you don't deserve it in the first place. I think that people need to just put things in perspective and also not get too ahead of themselves and and be too much in their own world. Like meaning their goals are just way out of reach, really. You know, I think it it has to be like a ladder. You take every steps, you know, if you're a three hour marathoner and you want to be a 230 marathoner or else, I don't know. I think it's just, you got to break 255. You got to break 250. As long as you're just taking the steps, I think that um, that's the best way to go. And you got to, and the thing is, is you have to believe in yourself and not really wait for anyone else to believe in you because I, I need to believe in myself first, you know, and that's how it goes. It's kind what of like have saying, you told yourself to like, are there any, you know, words you say, or you just literally like speak aloud to yourself? How, what tactics have you used personally to help yourself believe? I, I You have to, you have to remember where you came from and, and the whole journey you got. Okay. Like mine's more life, but let's just say running. People have to remember how they started a year ago, two years ago. Everybody loses, um, don't realize day to day. Like 
but you have to go back and look. A lot of people are hard on themselves. Let's just say they started running two years ago and they're a four-hour marathon or 4.30 and all of a sudden they're 3.15 and now they're mad because they were two seconds off on their mile splits and they're just mad and they're like, oh man, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. People just need to look at things as a whole, like year to year, you know, season to season. Just not be too hard on yourselves and just as long as you're making progression, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Like, don't, I mean, man, we could have 100 great workouts, right? But if we have 101 that, that workout work, it wasn't even a bad workout, but the fact that we're in the wind and we didn't hit our times and it didn't, you know, we're not happy when we're logging in our miles and to your meet, you know, whatever you training log you got online and where everyone could see just cause you can't impress someone else. We get all mad, right. Or embarrassed. And I think we're just too hard on ourselves and just got to remember it's just running. And you know, this structures my life. I need running. And I think a lot of people could feel the same way. You know, this is their outlet. This is what makes them happy. And just remember like, just be grateful you can actually walk, actually run, actually do all that. Because a lot of people can't. You know, yeah. there's people, you know, single mothers out there, three kids that can't, they have to just stay home because they have to take care of their kids. And they can't, they wish they could just go run for a little bit or something like that. A lot of people don't have that that in the cards for them. Mm -hmm. And um, I think running, a, a lot of us are privileged in, in some ways. And I think we just have to just um, be grateful that what we have and what we're able to do, people could fly to Europe and go run a big, you know, marathon or people going to Chicago, man, just be happy you're in that position. You can actually afford to go get a hotel and that air flight and go to the expo and go spend a couple hundred bucks on some stuff and mm -hmm. just be happy you're able to go and line up and, and, and race and stuff like that. Because a lot of people that can, they can't, they can't even phantom what that feels like. Yeah, no, great advice. That's a great way to round up. And I just have one more question, uh, which I do ask all guests. Um, so if you could give me one word to describe what you would like to become, accomplish or achieve, what would it be and why? Olympian. Olympian. Good one. Okay. Because this is like the perfect ending to, uh, to my story. You know, mm -hmm. I think I, 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 you know, I made the world championships. I won national champion, made won national championships. I've broken records. It's just, I, I'm missing that title, you know, Olympian. Mm -hmm. And I think it will be a good ending and I just believe that that I'm capable you know I'm yeah. the one well everyone will be uh, rooting for you now after listening to this and yeah check out uh, Fernando is racing uh, will be this Sunday on the 11th of October in Chicago so wish him luck is there a way people can follow you is it best Twitter or what's the best way for yeah, people to kind of yeah Twitter you know I'm at Fernando Cabada and Instagram as well I mean I've got a pretty good following on Instagram it's at Kabata Training Systems. Okay. Um, so it's really easy to find me on, 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 on social media. Uh, for, you know, just type it in for Nana Kabata. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and best of luck. No, thank you for having me. Wow. That was such a powerful interview. I still think it's so brave of him to show us just how far he's come to get to this moment. I'm going to think of him the next time I'm feeling sorry for myself because I had a bad race. It shows just how strong he is, and I know we'll all be listening to see how the rest of his career goes. If you are loving this podcast, and I really hope you are, will you do me a favor? Please, would you leave me a review? It's easy to do by searching for Runners Connect on either the podcast app on your phone or the iTunes store on your desktop. You want to click the image, and the middle tab will say Review. Scroll down, and you will see Write Review. I'd love if you could give me five stars or just some words about what you're enjoying. And if you aren't enjoying, I'd love if you could email me tina at runnersconnect and tell me what I can change. 
because I really want to keep improving this podcast. And this is the best way you can support me and the podcast and Runners Connect, other than subscribing. And each of those things help me to get better guests, so hopefully I can keep giving you a better podcast. So until next episode, have a great week.